I'm going to read a quote from that clip one more time. I do think it's irresponsible to date when you're in high school. It's practicing divorce. Let's talk about that a little bit, and then I'll tell you what I think at the end. Um, But before we get started, there's something that I really need to say before we get rolling, and and I hope that it goes without saying, but I love you guys. Um, I think that goes without saying. I am obsessed with you guys, almost to an unhealthy degree am I obsessed with with you guys and this church, and and you are that. Um, So that needs to be said, okay? I am obsessed with you guys, and I'm not, my goal tonight is not to break anybody up or keep anybody together or anything like that. I want to show you what the Bible says about a very serious thing, and, and I hope that the Holy Spirit will work, and that's, that's my hope for tonight, okay? That's what I want you to get out from tonight, okay? Make sense? Still friends? Everybody okay? Okay. Um, I used this example last year, and I think it paints a pretty good picture, and so I'm going to use it again this year. Um, imagine that you get picked up tonight, or you drive home, and you get to your house, and you're the only person home, okay? You're the only person home, and as you get out of your car, you look up, and you begin to realize that your house is on fire, okay? Your house is on fire, and as you see the building burning, this is how you respond. Uh, I probably need to handle that at some point. I think mom made cake, so there's cake. I'll probably get some cake, and then, and then after that, I'll probably handle the, the fire thing. Can you imagine the, the damage that would get done to your house if that's how you treated it, if it was on fire? Your house being on fire is a very serious thing, and you have treated it like it's no big deal. Now, does that all of a sudden just make it no big deal? No, your house being on fire is a very serious thing, and this is what's happened. You've been given a serious thing, and you treated it lightly. And because you treated it lightly, so much damage was done. Dating can be like that, you guys. It's a very serious thing, and when you treat it lightly, it can do so much damage. Hearts get broken, friendships get broken, reputations can get shattered, and in the most tragic circumstances, you can give so much of yourself to someone that you may never speak to again. How does, this, how does that happen? How does this happen? Turn to Ephesians 6, and I'll show you. Ephesians 6, verse 11. Ephesians is kind of in the middle of the New Testament, and my, my leaders be looking around. If you see somebody that's having trouble trying to find that, please help them. Ephesians 6, verse 11. And this is a verse that you guys actually know pretty well. You just don't know it. Ephesians six eleven says this. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. One more time. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, we don't have time, so just, let's, just listen to me as I go to 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 2, 11. So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. 
Did you see the common word there? Schemes. Remember that word. Scheme means plan. Okay, A plan that you draw out and you take time. The devil has schemes. The devil has plans. So often we think of the devil like this. Like he'll, he's this kind of this person or thing that will come up to this couple that have been married for 50 years. And he'll go up to the, the wife and he'll kind of whisper in her ear, you need to divorce your husband right now. That's never, that's never going to work. They've been, they've been together for 50 years. He's not going anywhere, and she's not going anywhere. But we think that that's how the devil works. Oh, well, the devil absolutely made him murder that guy. That was definitely the devil. You know he made him do that. And we think that the devil was, is just kind of this type of thing that will come up to us and just push us directly into a sin. But think about what we've just read in the Bible. The devil, more often than not, is not like that. He's got schemes. He has plans. Very rarely will he just push us into a sin. He has plans that little by little will lead you into falling in your sin all on your own. And one of his best laid plans, one of his wisest plans that works the most often is taking a very serious thing and getting us to treat it like it's no big deal. Because when we do that, Disaster results. Let me show you an example. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. Genesis 3, 14. Um, And while you're going there, just kind of setting the scene, we've got two people named Adam and Eve. And again, Genesis 3, 14. Two people named Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. And there's this tree in the garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And and God's rule is, do not eat of this tree. This is a serious thing. Do not eat the fruit that grows on this tree. That's the rule. Satan comes down disguised as a serpent, and he tempts Adam and Eve and tricks them, and they eat of the fruit. And of course, God knows this, so he comes down to address all three of them, and that's where we are in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. Okay, here we go. 3.14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this. Okay, so, so God is talking to the serpent right now, but Adam and Eve are both there too. So he's kind of addressing all three of them. Does that make sense? So because you have done this, the serpent has tempted them. Adam and Eve have eaten of the tree. Okay, so because you have done this, skip down to verse 16. Let's talk about Eve for a minute. And this is just showing you the devastation that has happened because they had a serious thing and they treated it lightly. Verse 16, to the woman, so this is Eve, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Okay, the first one, pain during childbirth. That's pretty, that's pretty self-explanatory. Okay, that kind of explains itself. I've never met a woman who has had a baby and said, you know, Ryan, I just I slept right through it. You know, that's never, that's never happened. I've never met anyone that that has happened to. Okay, the second one is a little bit more complex. So we're going to spend a minute here. Okay, it's toward the bottom of that verse. Yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Okay, the first half of that sounds Good. It sounds okay. Your desire will be for your husband. Isn't that, isn't that how it's supposed to be? You're supposed to desire your husband? Well, yes. Except for at this part in the Bible, when it says your desire will be for your husband, it doesn't actually mean husband. It means 
your desire will be for your husband's place, your husband's spot. It's Eve and Adam. Your desire will be for your husband's place. What is Adam's place? Head of the family. Eve's desire in her heart will now rise up to become, she will want to be the head of the family. This is the way it was supposed to work. Adam and Eve, as one heart and one mind, were supposed to, as one heart and one mind, choose the best path for, the, for them and for their family and for God, as one mind and one heart. But now, because sin has come into the world, because Adam and Eve had a serious thing and they treated it lightly and sin has come into the world, something in Eve's heart has grown. And not, not every time, it's very important that I say that, and you'll see why in a second. Not every time, but oftentimes, here's what will happen now. When Adam makes a decision for the family, this is the best decision for our family. This is the best decision for us and the Lord. When Adam makes a decision for the family, oftentimes something in Eve's heart will rise up and say, I don't like this decision. I don't like this call. Now, it's important that I be clear here. I'm not, I'm not talking about the husband wants to send the kids to this school, the wife wants to send the kids to this school, and they debate as to which school is better. I'm not talking about that. This is deeper. This is, this is, this is more sinister. I'm talking about even when Adam makes the right decision, when Adam makes the right call that is the best for the family and is the best for Eve, and Eve knows it, Something in her heart oftentimes will lash out and say, I don't like this call. Not because it was the right decision and not because it was the wrong decision, but because it was Adam's decision for both of them. And that does not sit well with Eve anymore. I have thought very long about what I'm going to say in the next two to five minutes, okay? Um, I don't ever want to come up here and say something just off the cuff or without thinking about it, okay? So trust that with me here. Um, And I think the Bible backs me up. This is the darkness that is in Eve now. I don't like this decision because it's yours. This is the darkness that's in Eve now. Eve was the first woman. All women are descended from Eve. Therefore, all women will struggle with this darkness in some form or fashion. All women will struggle with this in some form or fashion. Just a couple weeks ago, um, and I've thought about this, just a couple weeks ago my girlfriend Kristen and I had to make... um, a very important decision, and we talked about it together, we discussed it together as a unit, as a couple, and and we weighed our options, and I made the decision that it would be best for both of us to go this direction. And it's very important that I be clear here as well. Kristen's heart has, most of you know her, Kristen's heart has exploded ever since Jesus Christ has come into her life and rescued her and made her his. She and, and, And her friends tell, and this is not, one of those phrases. Her friends tell her this all the time. You are a totally different person. And it's true. And I 100% back that up. And I have learned so much from my girl and continue to look forward to learning so much from her. But I'm telling you guys, the second I made that decision for both of us, I saw it on her face. 
And I saw the struggle that began to take place in her head and in her heart as she began to bravely and amazingly fight down this darkness, this darkness that was coming out, not because it was the right decision or because it was the wrong decision, but because it was my decision for both of us. And that didn't sit well with her. And I don't tell that story to paint a bad picture of my girlfriend. I I called her a couple days ago and I said, babe, this is exactly what I'm going to say. Is this okay with you? Do you want me to change it? Do you want me to make it about a buddy of mine? Do you want me to do that? And she said, no, absolutely tell that story. And I totally agree. Because as a couple, Kristen and I want you guys to hear that because we want you to see that that this is for real. That this is not just a book, that that, that what it says in this book is real and happens to people. And I'm so excited for her because I know that that she has been rescued by a very strong God. And I know that this part of her story she will use to help so many other young women. But the reason I know she will help so many other young women is because all women will struggle with this darkness at some point. All because Eve had a very serious thing and she treated it lightly. And look at what happened. That's Eve. Let's look at Adam now. Look at verse 17. Verse 17. Then to Adam the Lord said, Because, and here it is, because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Okay, this is why this is important. Um, a lot of times we think that there was no work at first, and then, this, and then sin came, and now we have to work. You don't have to turn there, but in Genesis 2, verse 15, Adam is charged to work the garden, to work the garden of Eden, to work the ground and till it for fruit and food. So work has always been a part of the plan. But now that sin has come into the world, the ground that Adam is supposed to work is cursed. So follow this. Adam's work was the ground. The ground is now cursed, which means Adam's work is cursed. What does that mean for us for us as men and, and also for us as women? What does this mean for us? Um, anytime, and ask the adults in here, anytime, whatever your job is, guys, later in life, whatever it is, Whatever it has to do with, any time you go to work, any time you go to work the ground, so to speak, like Adam, the ground will now begin to work back. Talk to any of the adults in here. Even the best jobs have days of setback and disappointment and days where you say, it shouldn't be this way. And you're right, it shouldn't. But it is because the ground is cursed. Raising a family counts as a job. Ask the parents. Raising a family is now impossible without God's help. It is impossible because it is cursed now. Raising a family just got harder. Going to work just got harder. Marriage just got harder. Childbearing just got harder. All because Adam and Eve had a very serious thing and they treated it lightly and disaster happened. Do not eat of this fruit. And Satan said it so lightly. Why don't you just, why don't you just eat? I don't understand the big deal. He didn't even, if you look back, he doesn't even really say it. And he says it so lightly. Do not eat this fruit. And they treat it lightly and disaster happens. This is what happens. Satan causes so much damage 
when we treat dating and relationships lightly. Because here's what happens when we treat relationships lightly. We begin to date people for the sole reason and purpose that they make us happy. And there's nothing wrong with them making you happy. Of course you want that. But when you date them for that sole purpose, here's what happens. When the happiness is gone, the relationship is gone. Tell me if any of these sound familiar. She, she, just, she just quit talking to me. I've, I've no idea what happened. He, he, said he, just, he said he just wasn't feeling it anymore. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We just, we just didn't really click the way we used to. I don't know what exactly what happened. We just, we just didn't click the same way. Here's what those three things have in common. The feeling was gone, and the happiness was gone with it, and the relationship was gone. That happiness was gone, and that person was gone right along with it. Couple that with the fact that every movie we watch, myself included, every movie we watch or song that we listen to that has to do with two people falling in love, it only ever has to do with how compatible the two people are and how happy they make each other. Which is not wrong, but they never have anything to do with solving problems together. They never have anything to do with what happens if if one of the persons has baggage from a past mistake or a past relationship that they're bringing. What do you do now? And they never have anything to do with fighting sin together. What if he's addicted to pornography and she's extremely insecure and self-centered? How do you, what do we do now? And is watching those movies and listening to those songs inherently bad? I don't know, but, but getting your cues from dating from them is bad. Because here's what happens. You do this, your, and we're just going to go here for a second. You do this your whole life. And you look up, and you're 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, about to get married. And for your whole existence, you have been training your brain to say, if the feeling's gone, I guess I'm gone too. And then you get married. And there are seasons where the feeling's not there. And you can't break up. And your brain and your heart have no idea what to do because they've never been trained to handle or understand this because all your life you've had a serious thing and you've treated it lightly. Guys, I'm just going to be honest. No wonder the divorce rate is so high. This is how the Bible tells us to address relationships and dating. And this, regardless of, our, regardless of our age, this is how we need to approach relationships and dating. This is what we need to begin to practice and work towards. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13.7. 1 Corinthians 13.7. And this is what we should work towards when we begin dating. And it's a verse that you know very, very well. But hopefully after tonight it will have all new meaning. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. And I'm just going to read it and then we're going to break down each one of these pretty quick here. One more time. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This is what that means. Let's just go one at a time. Bears all things. To bear means to cover or protect or support. Listen to this. And these are all from a guy named John MacArthur. Um, 
Love feels the pain of those it loves and helps carry the burden of the hurt. Love feels the pain of those it loves and helps carry the burden of the hurt. So, so someone you love is in pain, you go to them and begin to try to feel that pain with them and come alongside them and try to carry the hurt with them. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love, this is so important. And no matter how old you are, whether you're single or dating or married, this is one thing that you must begin to practice with each other. Love believes all things. Love, there it is. Love believes that wrongs will be confessed and forgiven. Love believes that wrongs will be confessed and forgiven. You know what that means? No secrets. None. Love believes that wrongs will will be confessed. And when they are confessed, they're not met with, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? When they are confessed, they are confronted. And then together, they are overcome, which leads to a deeper relationship. Love believes that wrongs will be confessed and forgiven. Love trusts people. It has confidence in others. It is not quick to point out faults. When trust, this is, this is so important, when trust is broken, so they've lied, something has happened, they've been hiding something, when trust is broken, love's first reaction is to heal and restore. When trust is broken, love's first reaction is to heal and restore. When trust is broken, love's first reaction is not to run away, but to lean into that hurt and try to rebuild the trust. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Just just listen to this one. Love hopes all things. Even if belief is shattered, love still hopes. Love refuses to take failure as final. Parents with children who don't believe all hope in love that their child will be restored or that their unbelieving spouse or relative will come to know the Lord that their unbelieving spouse or relative will come to know the Lord. When, hope, when our hope is weak, our love is weak. When our hope is weak, our love is weak. So love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, and lastly, maybe most importantly, love endures all things. Endure in the Bible is a military term, meaning to hold a vital, think about this in terms of relationships, to hold a vital position at all costs. Love endures at all costs. It stands against overwhelming odds. Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, and refuses to stop bearing or stop believing or stop hoping. Love will never stop loving. Love will never stop loving. Love bears what is unbearable. It believes what is unbelievable. It hopes in what is otherwise hopeless. It endures. Love endures when anything less than love would give up. Love endures when anything less than love would give up. And you say, that's very beautiful. And this is really serious. How, how do I know if my boyfriend and I are ready for this? How do I know if my girlfriend and I are ready for this? How do I know if I'm single and I'm thinking about maybe beginning to start dating? How do I know that I'm ready for this? I'm going to ask you a couple things. I'm going to tell you a couple things and then we'll be done. 
Here's my first question, and it's, it's a hard one, but it's a glorious one. Are you both Christians? I did not ask, when you were little, did you both walk down an aisle and sign a card saying, are you a Christian? I asked, have you been born again, and are you living a life that shows that you are following Jesus Christ, or trying the very best you can to follow Jesus Christ? If you're not both Christians, I do not think you should date. Because if you're not... Now, now I didn't say that you can't talk to each other. I didn't say that you can't sit next to each other. I didn't say that. But if you are not a Christian, you have a much bigger problem that will destroy your relationship down the road. If If you are not a Christian then the Bible is clear that you are living in sin. And that sin that you are living in will destroy your relationship down the road anyway. Not because I say so, but because that's what sin does. It feels so good for a while. And then it destroys everything. Are you both Christians? Next. Well, okay, as a couple, or, or when I begin to start dating, how do, how do my boyfriend and I, or my girlfriend and I, how do I begin to, how do we begin to pursue the Lord together? And guys, I'm looking to you on this especially. Girls, it's just as important that you do this, but guys, I'm looking to you especially to lead. How do we begin to pursue the Lord together? Whether this be we start dating tomorrow, or or three years from now? How do we begin to pursue the Lord together? And this is not an end-all, be-all list, okay? These are just two things, really quick. The first thing is this. Are you reading a book together about God? Or are you reading a book together about godly relationships? There's three that I'm just going to throw out really quick. The first one, a lot of you have seen this before. Mingling of Souls by a guy named Matt Chandler. This is the best book, and I'm all of 26, so it's not like I'm the fountain of knowledge on this, but this is thus far the best book I have read on relationships for students your age and college age up to about my age. This is the best book. It's called Mingling of Souls, God's Design for Love, Marriage, Sex, and Redemption. Those of you... um, those of you who are curious as to how good is this book or what, how, what, how bad is this book, what do we think, ask some of our high school girls. They've been doing a small group study on Sunday night going through this book. And I've talked to Bo and I've talked to Caleb Williams. And starting in August um, on Sunday nights, the high school guys will begin to go through the Mingling of Souls curriculum on Sunday nights together. Because guys, this, is just, this stuff is just too good and it's too important. Next one book called Birds and Bees. Title's a little, you know, it is what it is, but it's by a guy named Greg Mott. Greg was our small group leader at the Passion Conference this year. Excellent book. Bob and I have both read this book. It is, it is a phenomenal book. The back of it says, sex is complicated, powerful, and personal. It's taking this seriously. Last one, and then we'll move forward, is called Gray Areas by a guy named Mike Glenn. Two of the topics on the back, uh, three of the topics are divorce, sexual identity, and dating. Three things that are very important to know, especially at your age as you begin to look into this and wade into these waters. Are you reading books together? Now, okay, 
Here's what happens so often when I recommend books to guys or girls. It doesn't happen all the time, but this is what happens when I recommend books to guys or girls. Let's start with the fellas. Guys, this is what will happen. Hey, man, you should read this book, and this is your response. I'm just, I'm just not a big reader. I'm just not. I, can't, I don't know that I'll be able to understand it. Uh, the Bible can be kind of complicated. I just don't know. That's what you say. I'm not a big reader. And yet, I have had so many conversations, and this is all in love, I have had so many conversations with so many guys where you guys can quote to me statistics about SEC football back to the 40s. Or we get the 40s. Or we can talk about basketball all day long. Or we can talk about, and some of my older middle schoolers, younger high schoolers, we could talk about video games all day long. Some of your favorite characters in the video games and how they were created. But when it comes to reading a book, ah, it's just, there's just no way I'm going to be able to remember it. I'm just, it's going to be kind of confusing and complicated. I don't, know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to retain it all. Ladies, so many girls that I will talk to from, from in Atlanta and here and all over, I'm just not a big reader. It's just not really my thing. And yet we can talk about, this happened to me like three weeks ago, we can talk about your favorite TV show and you can quote the backstory of every character on that TV show. Back, here's the thing, back to before the show even started. How is that possible? You can quote the backstory before the show even began. But when it comes to reading about these things that are so important, just I'm just not a big reader. I'm just not a big reader. And listen, please don't anybody walk out of here feeling bad. I will talk football and basketball and video games and TV shows and all kinds of things with you guys all day. I love you guys. But here's the point I'm trying to get across. You read and you remember what you care about. Period. You read and you remember what you care about. Example, if you got a, if you got a direct message on Twitter tonight from, from someone you have a big crush on, would you see that and be like, ah, oh, I'm just not a really big reader? Is that what you would say? Are you kidding? No, you would read that thing over and over and print it out and put it on the fridge. Not on the fridge. You put it in. You would read it. You read, guys, you read and you remember what you care about. Period. Are you reading a book together about the Lord and about godly relationships? The first thing is reading. Reading is up here, but this has got to move down here and be lived out out here. Are you living what you are reading? And the way, there are tons of ways to phrase this, but this is the best way that I will phrase this. Are you taking steps towards purity, single or in a relationship? Are you taking steps towards purity together? And, and, and just to show that, that all of this is on the table, and I'm not trying to guilt anybody, um, Kristen and I, when we first started dating, um, we, are, we are Netflix people. We very much enjoy Netflix, and, and we love watching it together um, and just talking during the show, and it's just, it's just we have a great time. Um, but for the first few months of our, few months of our relationship, we, we would watch Netflix at her house in Calhoun, um, in her bedroom, on her bed. And I can be honest with you guys and say that we did not fall into sexual sin there, but I can be honest again and say we had a lot of very close calls. And we both began to realize this is not a healthy place for us to be. And so what I did was I went on Amazon and spent like $7 and got, and a lot of you guys will know what I'm talking about, it's called a headphone splitter. And all it is is you plug it into your laptop and then you've got a port for my headphones and a port for Kristen's headphones. And now we can watch this anywhere and not distract people. And now as our, we, have two, 
We have two kind of rules, I guess you'd call them, but when we're watching Netflix like that, we watch it in the living room at her house or in the TV room at my house where people are around. And that way temptation cannot get in as easily and we don't distract people. Does that make sense? The other rule that we have is that if we for any reason have to go into my bedroom or her bedroom, for some reason the door stays open. That is not her parents' rule. That is not my parents' rule. That is our rule. Because we value this and we want God to bless us and do this the right way. Um, you don't have to turn there unless you want to. But in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, just listen to this. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. How handsome are you, my beloved, and so pleasant. Indeed, our couch is luxuriant. The beams, so keep the couch in mind. The beams of our house are cedar and our rafters cypresses. So cedars and cypresses, you can tell how much of a city boy I am, cedars and cypresses are trees, right? So they're sitting on this couch together and they are surrounded by trees. Now, this is chapter one, so they are not married yet, okay? So the couch is the time that they spend together and in the time they spend together, they're surrounded by trees. Can you see trees, can you be surrounded by trees inside? No, they're outside. They're spending time together outside. That's the point of this verse. They're spending time together outside in the public eye so that temptation cannot get in as easily. Guys, I'm just going to be totally straight with you. They're not in someone's bedroom and they're not down in someone's basement. Is your mind being renewed by what you are reading and are you taking steps towards purity? Guys, this is, this is a lot, and this is very heavy, I know, but it's also very healthy. This is what a healthy relationship looks like, which is why I'm going to say this. I am not, I am not going to say that you can't date in high school. I'm not going to say that. But I will say relationships are serious. Your parents should be involved. The church should be involved. Guys, bring them here. Ladies, bring them here. And if you can't bring them here, or if they won't come here, that's a big red flag for me. Parents should be involved. The church should be involved. Purity should be involved. Jesus Christ should be involved. And listen, God is not bringing all of this seriousness in to to break anybody's heart. He's doing this to protect your heart. And that's exactly what we are doing here at PVN as well. And I speak for Bob and the rest of the adult leaders when I say, we love you guys and we do not care about your future boyfriend or your future girlfriend. We care about you. And if you're dating already, we care about both of you. I love you guys. Don't Give this away. Treat it seriously. And God will be glorified in it. I love you guys. Don't give this away. Take it seriously. Come talk to us. Come get help from us. Let's pray.